As Congress gets back down to brass tacks, having arrived back in town yesterday, it has 12 working days in July before a long August recess. Then it has only another 13 working days until the end of the fiscal year. Here with what to expect, Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. And I guess maybe the uh, let's start with the House and the NDAA. That seems to be job one immediately. That is. It's probably going to take up most of the week in the House with votes on numerous amendments. But this is the House's answer to what the Senate passed before it left for the July 4th break. The Senate bill ended up pretty bipartisan on an 86 to 8 vote. So we'll be watching very closely to see what happens with the House bill. Now, there are a number of differences, as there always are, between the House and Senate versions here. For one, the top line figure. The, House, the Senate's bill was about $750 billion. The House one is $733 billion. So pretty you know, sizable chunk difference there, about $17 billion. But what we'll be looking for this week is, you know, what sort of amendments Republicans offer to this bill, because although it's often a bipartisan vote in the Armed Services Committee on this legislation, this year it was a pretty partisan vote um, and kind of a fraught situation with disagreements over things like how much money the bill would authorize and some of the individual policy proposals that it contains. Um, And of course, this bill will also be the latest skirmish in the ongoing fight over the border wall because it would bar the use of funds authorized or appropriated to construct border fencing or walls uh, as President Trump wants. That's sort of a response to the emergency declaration that allowed him um, to redirect funds from the Defense Department to build some of his border wall or at least begin construction in some areas. So um, a lot of different policy areas this bill covers, as it always does, and therefore there are numerous amendments that could come up. The Rules Committee, when it meets tonight, um, we'll have to go through more than 650 amendments that have been filed and decide which ones will get a vote or which ones will get added to the bill. So um, probably a lengthy debate, maybe some late nights on this very important piece of legislation. And what about the possibility of, say, transgender service members? And because that's been controversial with Congress thinking one way in general and the administration thinking another way. Is that likely to get reignited here? I'm sure it will. Um, The House has already voted once on a non-binding resolution this year disagreeing with the president's policy, and this would be a chance to actually do something legislatively. Now, whether that could in the bill survive through a conference with the Senate and all the way to a bill the president would sign, that seems unlikely, but um, you certainly will hear debate about that this week. And what about the possibility, I guess you started to answer this, will the House debate every amendment to the NDAA or will there be some rules making that only debate some of them? The Rules Committee will definitely limit that list down. Not clear how many it will be, but um, you know that, that would be probably weeks of debate if you were to do all 650 of those amendments with 10 minutes each. So oftentimes we've seen a couple of hundred amendments made in order on this bill. Um, and sometimes these amendments get rolled together into uh, on-block packages, as they're known. So maybe it'll take 20 non-controversial ones pull them together and then have one action on that combined amendment. Those would usually be less controversial ones and little wins for individual members to take home for their election purposes. But um, we we will probably see a lengthy debate in many amendments, but not all those 650 will make the cut. I guess the question is, where do those amendments get listed and will anyone have a chance to read them before those votes? 
They will be. The Rules Committee puts them all on their website, and they usually set a deadline well ahead of when they meet so that members can file them, and there's a chance to look over them and see what to make in order, what not to make in order, and a chance also for the chairman and ranking member to weigh in if there's something they just absolutely don't want to debate. This is an ability for House leaders to prevent debate on amendments they don't want to deal with, while at the same time making in order things for individual members to have floor time to talk about. So the Rules Committee is very much the gate keeper on this. Um, unlike the Senate, where anything can go, the House is a more constrained and kind of uh, routinized operation. So um, that, that list will get whittled down for sure. We're speaking with Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. And of course, the big elephant in the House, I shouldn't say elephant, that sounds Republican. The big <laughs> issue in the House is finishing the budget in the 25 working days they have left, 24 as we speak. That's right. And the House has done a lot of its work already. When it left for the 4th of July break, it had passed 10 of the 12 regular spending bills, leaving only the Homeland Security bill and its own bill funding the legislative branch left. Um, The Senate has not even gotten out of the starting gate on spending talks because the Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby of Alabama has been waiting for a top line number. Um, He, of course, was looking to talks between the White House and Congress on a top line spending figure to to kind of have a a joint songbook, if you will, to sing to when it comes to writing these important spending bills. But that deal has not come out yet. Um, They're still working, trying to get to some sort of agreement on top line spending levels. Um, And without that, Richard Shelby has said it would be hard to move forward, but he may move forward this month just to get the ball rolling because there are so few days left, still 12 bills to write and get through the Appropriations Committee and start work on the floor. So um, none of that is looking great at the moment if you're, you you know, if, you, if you're looking for optimism, it might be hard at this point, because even if they write bills in the Senate without a top-line spending number that everyone agrees to, it's hard to come to a consensus by September 30th on legislation. So the choice becomes for Congress, do they go with a continuing resolution of some length to be determined, or is the shutdown possibility starting to appear again? Well, the shutdown talk will start at some point, and you know the fear of that can often motivate action to prevent it. Um, one thing we saw recently is that a group of Senate Republicans wrote to the administration and said, don't back, they didn't back a year-long continuing resolution that would extend the fiscal 19 funding levels through 2020. They don't like that, particularly when it comes to defense policy, because if you just extend last year's funding levels with the instructions on how to spend that money, it doesn't really reflect the new reality that the Pentagon, for example, needs to to operate under. So the programs it needs to fund, how it distributes its money, how it um, uses its resources in the United States and around the world. If you just continue last year's language, um, that's not sufficient in the eyes of these senators. They don't even think that the so-called anomalies that you could put in there to adjust funding would be sufficient. So they're calling on the administration to back off of a year-long CR and you know, everyone's focus there for would be on having another round of talks, trying to get to a top line spending level, and along with that, figure out a path forward on the debt ceiling, which also is going to become an issue sometime around the start of the fiscal year. All right. So a busy period coming ahead. And while we have you, an interesting bill proposed 
uh, in the House, and that's the 21st Century Act. Tell us about that one. Yeah, this is a bill that really reflects the change in who's running for president and who's viewed as a viable and serious candidate for the president. This would remove references to the president's wife to be more gender neutral, so the president's spouse. Uh, when you looked at um, the 2016 election, obviously Hillary Clinton had a husband, so references to wife wouldn't have worked there. And just looking at this year's 2020 Democratic field, you have several female senators who are making serious runs, as well as Pete Buttigieg, the South Bend, Indiana mayor, who's married to a man. So again, wife wouldn't work there in terms of the law. So this bill proposed by a Wisconsin Democrat, Mark Pocan, would change the laws to, as they see it, catch up to what's going on in the 21st century. So definitely a sign of the times, if you will. And that leaves the question of what the vernacular would be. Would it be first what? <laughs> we have the first lady. Would it be the first man? Who knows? Mr. Harris, first Mr. Man, Gabbard. Exactly. All right. Well, that'll be up to the voters, I guess, and maybe up to the media a little bit to, 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 to do that dubbing. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. As always, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.